Let's all stand and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I want to say, while you're turning, I thank God for what He's done in this service already this morning. And I came this morning with a heavy burden about what I'm going to preach on. And so I want you to pray for me and with me. I know the devil... I know the devil doesn't like this, but I tell you, God spoke to my heart about the 1st of August, and, uh, and I'm not charismatic in what I'm about to say. I'm not even a charismatic bone in my body, but uh, uh, God spoke to my heart back August the 1st about spending more time in prayer, more time alone with God, more time in the Bible, not because I'm spiritual, because I need more time with God, but uh, the devil will attack you full force when you make your mind up, you're going to spend more time with God. And uh, I'm telling you, they just things that uh, I know that would happen from time to time, and I know it would be the devil. Uh, but I'm glad the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Amen? And so I want you to pray for us this morning. I felt a burden Monday morning. I got up to pray, and God laid this passage of Scripture on my heart. And God spoke to my heart and said, this mess is not just a message or just, just a sermon that you're preaching, but... I've carried a burden all this week for what I'm going to preach to you this morning. And so I pray that God will speak to every heart, especially those that may stand in need of it this morning. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 16. The Bible said, If any man see his brother sinning sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. And we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would touch us. I pray, God, you would give us that heavenly anointing that we need. I realize this morning, God, we don't have the vocabulary, nor do we have the mind within ourselves to say what needs to be said. But I pray, Spirit of God, that you'll give us liberty. I ask you to bind the devil this morning. I pray that you would touch every heart, my own included this morning. I pray that you'll take the message. And Lord, if, those, if there is someone here this morning that is on the verge of getting out of the will of God or getting away from God, I pray this message will help them. I pray they'll find no hiding place other than in you today. I pray that God, you'd work in the invitation hour, do great and mighty things for the glory of God, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray, and all God's people said. Amen. I want to draw your attention this morning as John, in this, uh, in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about sin. And John tells us four things in this passage about sin. Notice in verse number 16, he talks about the struggle with sin. As he says, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death. Now we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. The Bible says that in Romans 3 and verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have done enough sin after I got saved to put me in hell probably more than I did before I got saved. And so we know that we're sinners, whether you're saved or lost this morning, uh, we are all sinners and uh, John is talking about that struggle that we have with sin he said if you see a brother that is sinning a, or that sins a sin which is not unto death now notice in this passage of scripture he mentions the word sin twice and the first time he mentions that word sin when he says if any man see his brother sin he's talking about missing the mark but the second time he uses that word sin he's talking 
talking about the depraved nature of a man. He's talking about, or rather giving a picture of one that's getting off course and not just sinning, but going into a lifestyle of sin. And he says, if you see a brother that's going down a path, and we know that if we was to go around this morning and say, who has committed of sin this week? Well, every one of us would have to raise our hand because we have sin, uh, we have committed sins of omission and sins of commission. We have fallen short. If you're here and you say, well, I've not committed one sin this week, then you just committed a sin of lying, amen? Uh, because this old nature is just driven to miss the mark of God every day of our life. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about if you see someone that's going down a path of sin, they're going in the wrong direction, he said, then you need to pray for that brother, amen? Because that's the only thing that is keeping this man from going down that road that leads to death is the prayers of the people of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of us, if we be honest, had it not been for the prayers of the saints, sin would have destroyed our life and would have wrecked us even after we got saved. We're not here by our own boot, by God pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're not here by our own measure this morning. But I'm telling you, just like they sang, the choir sang this morning, somebody fell on their knees and somebody prayed for me and somebody prayed for you and they kept us out of the snares of sin in this walk of life. I'm preaching on this subject this morning on sinning the sin unto death. Sinning the sin unto death. He talks about the struggle with sin. Then notice he talks about the seriousness of sin. He says in verse number 16, he said there is a sin unto death. Now what John wants us to understand is that you may see a brother that's out there that's struggling with sin and you ought to pray for that man. But at the same time, every one of us ought to take note this morning that you and I, if we're not careful, we have the potential of sinning the sin that leads to death. You know, that's the thing about sin. You never know the outcome of it this morning. You never know that what you and I are about to do or not do, we never know the results of what sin's gonna bring in our life. James says that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, when it has run its course in our life, it brings forth death. And he talks about the seriousness of sin. We ought to be scared to death of sin. Sin ought to be like a rattlesnake to us a poisonous venom. It ought to be scary to us and it doesn't matter how big that sin is or how little that sin is. We'll see in this message this morning that sometimes it's not the great big sins that leads to death. Sometimes it's them little sins. It's the little foxes that spoils the vine. You know what them little foxes do when they, when they eat that fruit close to the vine? They destroy it. And my friend James talks about the struggle with sin. He talks about the seriousness of sin. Then in verse number 17, he talks about the scope of sin. Notice he said, all unrighteousness is sin. Why does James say that after talking about the, the seriousness of sin? Why does he give us the scope of sin and say that all unrighteousness is sin? Here's why. Because James wants us to know that it's not them big old sins out there that leads to death, as I've already said. You might be here this morning and say, well, I've not committed adultery. I've not stolen anything. I've not done any major sin, no crime to put me in prison, so I must be okay. James said, I want you to know something. There is a sin unto death and all unrighteousness 
is sin. You study the Bible and read example after example as we'll see this morning. Sometimes it was the smallest things that ended people's life. Because all sin is unrighteousness. All sin is disobedience to God. He talks about the scope of sin. And then verse number 18 is an interesting verse. He talks about the saint and sin. He said, we know that whosoever is born of God, notice this, sinneth not. You might be here this morning and say, wait a minute, Brother Gravely, uh, nobody is perfect. Uh, Nobody is sinless. That's not what James is saying. That phrase, sinneth not, simply means uh, it's referring to a continuous course of sin. What James is saying, whatsoever is born of God, sinneth not. In other words, it doesn't go down that path of sin for 25 years and claims to be a child of God. It's not not possible. He said in chapter 3 and verse number 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Well, we know that when you get saved, you commit sin. I love the Rock of Ages Bible. Uh, The reference note in that Rock of Ages Bible, if you have one, says the phrase commit sin in this verse means to practice sin or to go on sinning. What James is saying is that whosoever is born of God doth not go on sinning. You say, preacher, how is that possible? Because if you're saved, the Bible said in chapter two and verse number one, my little children, these things write unto you that you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What the Bible tells us is that we that are saved this morning, we're not to continue and we're not able to continue down a course of sin because number one, we have an advocate. We can go to God and find forgiveness, amen? Now the word sin doesn't have to have dominion over any of us. We don't have to be shackled by sin anymore. We don't have to live a life of sin because when we do sin, we have a high priest, we have a mediator, we have the blood that's been applied and so therefore we can go to God and plead forgiveness and God will forgive us of our sins. Yeah, I'll tell you the good, a good advice one writer said was to keep short accounts on your sin. Say, how do you keep short accounts every time you sin? Confess it and forsake it. Ask God immediately to forgive you. Don't let sin pile up in your life. It'll rob you of victory and joy and you'll live a life of defeat. Sure, you're gonna sin, but you have an advocate with the Father. Keep short accounts. But then secondly, we can't go down that course of sin very long because we have a Father and I'm amazed at how God just puts things together. Brother Danny was teaching this morning and he got to talking about chastisement. And I wanna tell you, you can't live a life of sin forever and ever because if you're truly saved, your Father will chasten you. He'll whip you. You see, this morning a believer may fall. He may backslide. He may grieve the Holy Spirit, but he'll be unhappy in the condition that he's in. Listen, he'll be chastened and he'll not be able to continue in that sin for very long. You say, but preacher, I know somebody said they've been saved for 45 years and they just live in sin and love their life. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. I don't care what they say. I'm reading the Bible this morning and the Bible says they're not saved, amen. They may be convinced they're saved, but I'm telling you this book don't lie. I'm gonna believe God. The Bible said let God be true and every man a liar. A man just because he tells you he's saved, that doesn't mean he's saved. Hey, if he's drank Budweiser for 50 years and there ain't been no chastisement in his life, uh, the Bible says then you're a bastard and not a son. God said we can't continue in sin without there being chastisement in our life. 
the steps the Holy Spirit takes in our life is that whenever we think about sin, God gives us a conscience and he, he, will, uh, he will convict us and he'll say things to us like, you don't need to do that. Give you an example. If you used to think about laying out of church tonight, if you're saved immediately, the Holy Spirit will say, now you know you need to be in church. Don't you make plans just because it's starting football season. Amen. Don't you stay home and watch, watch football. You need to be in church. You need to be in the house of God and you, you already start struggling on the inside if you're saved because you're thinking about staying home and watching uh, the Dallas Cowboys or whoever else uh, uh, you want to watch and the Holy Spirit's already convicting you about that. Preacher right at and say, I've said something now, but, but even if I didn't know that, God would convict you. If you was to say, well, I, I'm, I, you know, I don't feel good. You know, it's amazing how people get so sick on Sunday afternoon. I just don't feel good. You know, I, something didn't settle with me. We'll take a Pepsi and come on to church. Somebody say amen. I just don't feel good and, and, and honey, you go on. I, I just feel like, I, I, you know, I got to work this week, got to pay the bills and, and so, I, you know, and all the while, you know, you're lying through your teeth. If I was a wife, I'd take the remote to church with me, amen? And cut the cable cord. See how sick you get. But if you stay home and they go off to church and you're laying there on the couch and, well, there ain't nothing to do and God forbid I listen to preaching or read my Bible and so uh, you take the remote and you turn the TV on and there you go to that football game. And you know how you're going to feel? You're going to feel condemned. I had a man one time in our church, he told another man, it was the Falcons, and I think I've mentioned this, the Falcons finally went to the Super Bowl and he told somebody, he was a Falcons fan, he said, I'm not coming to church tonight. I found out about that and I went to him. He said, did you do that? Sure. I'm to watch for his soul. I said, brother, I said, you going to lay out of church and not watch the Falcons? He said, well, preacher, you know. I said, I know. I know what you said. I said, now you need to be at church tonight. And that's for DVR. He said, well, <clears throat> you know, he just kind of didn't have a whole lot to say. And I knew he was going to stay home. You know what? First quarter, they got blowed, slap out. I wonder how he felt after the first quarter. Amen. I wonder if it's worth it. Boy, it's quiet in here. Y'all ain't gonna lay home. Y'all ain't gonna stay home and watch football, are you? I mean, you got you got an opportunity to go to church and, and hear the word of God and people died so that we could have a Bible and hear the truth. And there are two-thirds of the world's never even heard the gospel and people that's never even seen a Bible, and you gonna stay home on Sunday night. But I didn't know I was gonna preach on this, Brother Charles. We're in trouble today, aren't we? Because things like this happen. But if you're saved, uh, you'll be watching that football game. You're not going to enjoy that football game. You'd have been better off coming to church. And then when the game's over, even if your team wins, guess what? The third step is he not only convicts you, he'll condemn you, but then he'll chasten you. Just like Brother Allen said this morning, there's going to be a whipping. I remember one time I said something about somebody and the Holy Spirit said, you're going to pay for that. Five years later, I forgot all about it. Something happened to me, and I mean, as soon as it happened, the Holy Ghost said, you remember when you said something about so-and-so? That's why this has happened. See, I never got a whipping from my daddy that what he didn't tell me why he was whipping me. 
And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit will convict you. He'll condemn you when you sin, but then after it's over with and after you've had your fun and after you've lived your life, he's going to whip you. Now here's the question this morning. If you can go on sinning and you can go on living and you're not bearing any stripes for the sin you've committed, I promise you on the authority of the word of God this morning, you don't belong to God. You've never been born again. Hey, you know why we got so many people sitting in our churches that can live as they please and do as they will and their life just seemingly goes fine. I'm going to tell you why they're not saved, friend. He talks about the saint and sin this morning. I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that it's not the, it's not the exact sin that is the sin unto death, but it's, the, it's not the specific sin within itself, but it's the kind of sin. I'll give you the examples this morning to be done. I thought about Nadab and, and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, the priests, that they offered up strange fire. They deliberately disobeyed God and they died as a result of that. The Bible tells us that in Leviticus chapter number 10, the first seven verses. Why did these two brothers die? They was Aaron's sons. They died because not the fact that they offered up strange fire, but I'm gonna tell you it wasn't the sin within itself because there was others that offered up strange fire. What, what it was, it was disobedience to the word of God. They had been given light and they knew what they were supposed to do and they deliberately went against the light that God had given them and the end result was God killed them. They just knew better. I thought about in the scriptures, Korah, and his clan that opposed God in Numbers chapter 16. They withstood the man of God. They, they withstood Moses and the end result was <laughs> that the earth opened up and swallowed them whole. Why was it? There's been others that's withstood and put their lips on the man of God and seemingly lived. Uh, but then these died. Why is that? They knew better. They had been told not to. They had been warned. They had too much light. I'm saying this morning when you sit under preaching and you've heard the truth and you open go against it and rebel against the word of God, you can chalk it up, you're headed down the path that leads to death. Achan stole a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold and silver. A lot of people have stolen and got by with it, but not Achan. 36 men lost, lost their lives as a result of one man's sin. That's 36 wives that didn't have a husband. That's at least 36 children that didn't have a daddy. And when that sin was uncovered, Joshua comes out. You say, preacher, that's Old Testament. I've got some New Testament examples as well this morning. God is serious about sin. And I'm gonna tell you when God got through with Achan, he took him out. Achan was sorry for what he had done. Achan had told Joshua, he was honest, he confessed it, he came clean with it, but he still died. It was a sin unto death. I think about in the scriptures, Samson lived a selfish life, stubborn, rebellious, prideful, had great strength. My friend put all of his trust in himself, his body, his flesh, his physique. He had great muscles and big arms, but I'm telling you, he had a bigger heart of rebellion than he did biceps, and the end result was that was, was that though he confessed and though he prayed, he still died amongst the Philistines. Hey, Samson wasn't supposed to die when he did, but he died a premature death. Why? Because God cut him off. Oh, listen, he's in the hall of faith, and I believe he's in heaven according to scriptures, but he went home early because of sin. Abimelech, Malon, Chilion, 
They left their place of blessing, the house of bread. A famine came to Bethlehem. And one day because Abimelech, or because Abimelech listened to his, his wife, and women, I'm not beating up on you this morning, but I've got to say something here. A husband needs to be careful. I know that a spiritual wife is a help me. And I know that a spiritual wife can be a great example. And I'm not beating up on the women this morning. But I want to say to every man in this building, you are the priest of your home. And you're going to give account to God for what you do with your home. That's why you've got to be more spiritual than your wife. She is to be spiritual. But God didn't design her to be the leader, the decision maker. And you've got to find the will of God and do it in your life. Do you know what? And it ain't always a woman. But I've seen this, Brother Jack. I guarantee you've seen it in years of pastoring. I've watched men get right with God and their wives. I even told my wife the other day, I said, it's a crying shame. I know a man right now that could really be used to God, but his wife is holding him back because she's got a tongue that'll reach from here to the Florida line. Amen. Gossip. I mean, listen, she ought to work for CNN, Fox News. She's faster than they are. I mean, she can come up with stuff quicker than you can find it on the internet. Man, that's moving on, ain't it? I'm serious. You, you think I'm being funny, but I've even wondered if she ain't got a demon whispering in her ear. I mean, how in the world does she find stuff that fast? You ladies better watch that long tongue. Somebody say amen. That long tongue will get you in trouble. It'll get your children in trouble. They're listening to the things that you say. And if you can't sit down with somebody without talking about somebody else, then you need to get along with God and get your heart right. I don't care if what you're saying is the truth. It ought not be said. Somebody say, man, study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands. Just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be spoken about. If there's any spirituality in your life, you'll pray for those that are falling. You'll pray for someone if you see a flaw but you won't run them down, amen? But it's men too. Some men can gossip better than a woman can. Some preachers. Y'all with me still, aren't you? I just feel like preaching this this morning. It's in my heart. I'm talking about sins that leads to death. I'm talking about, you say, oh, but preacher, gossip would, would never lead to death. Uh, I want to tell you, friend, uh, listen, God takes every sin seriously. And the Bible says there's seven things the Lord doth hate. One of them's a proud look. And the last one is he that soweth discord among the brethren. I'm telling you, God hates every kind of sin. All sin is unrighteousness this morning. And I'd hate to go to the grave early because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Bimelech, they got out of the will of God. I know people this morning that's in heaven because they got out of the will of God. I'll never forget when I was about 15 years old, there was a man that got right with God in our church and he was probably about 25 years old. His name was Barry. And my, my, my youth worker went to school with Barry and, and Barry had got saved and got, <coughs> got called to preach and and he got away from God and got out in sin. And, and uh, my youth leader had, had got, got him back to church. And I remember the Sunday Barry got right with God. And my youth leader was the bus driver 
at that time. And so Barry started riding the bus with him and they'd sit, they'd, he'd stand there at the front of the bus and they'd have conversations and talk about the Lord. And I'd sit behind, uh, behind the, the bus driver and I'd listen to those conversations as they would talk about their years of, uh, of going to school together and, and here's years of serving God. And he'd talk about getting away from God and how much better it felt to be in church and finally be right with God again. And, and him and my, uh, him and my youth worker would talk about that. And I'll never forget one day he, they was talking and in that conversation, he looked at my youth worker and he said, you know, he said, it feels so good. He said, but I'm going to tell you the Lord spoke to my heart and he told me if I ever get out of church, he'll take me home early. I've lost track of him. I remember one night, somebody beating our door down about 12 o'clock at night. My daddy went to the front door and to my surprise, he opened that door and there stood Barry in a drunken stupor. The man that he was drinking with had died. He, he just fell over dead. They were sitting there drinking. I, I don't know what they were drinking. They had liquor bottles and, and all kinds of beer cans all over the house. They always was. And, and he come beating the door down scared to death. And I look back on that now and I wonder if that wasn't the mercy of God. That man probably went to hell. But I wonder if it wasn't the mercy of God trying to get Barry's attention and saying, boy, you better wake up. You're going down the wrong path. Uh, and I'll tell you something, Barry didn't get right with God. And six Six months later, I'll never forget it. They wheeled his body in at 22 to 25 years of age and had his funeral. I'm going to tell you, Brother Charles, I, I stood there. I didn't know him that well, but all I could think of was what he said. I'm telling you, I wrote in a fly leaf of my Bible this week, I wrote seven different people's names down that I know that it's in heaven that I, I personally know that I'm sure there's others, but I wrote seven names down of people this morning that I know that went to heaven early because they was as saved as you and I was, but they would not listen. They would not get right. They rebelled. They went against the word of God. You never know when this is your last message to repent. I held the hand of a man. told me one time I was in the hospital when he was diagnosed and as soon as he was diagnosed brother David the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said he's going to die he's out of the will of God and he got the news and they went through everything that they go through to try to recover him but I knew he was going to die I mean, I talked to him several times over. And I went to the hospital one night. He called for me, and I went to the hospital. It was probably two months before he died, and I held his hand, and I went in there. <laughs> and he told me, he said, Preacher, I'm going to die. And I couldn't tell him he was, and I didn't tell him he was, but I couldn't tell him he wasn't going to die. God had done spoke to my heart. He said, I'm going to die. And he said, I know why I'm going to die. He said, because I should have got right a long time ago, and I didn't. He said, I can't do nothing about that. He said, I've got right with God now. And we prayed together, and we wept together, and we hugged each other's neck, and I told him I loved him. And he said, I've made peace with God. He said, I just wish that I would have. He said, I just wished I could do it over. He said, I wished I could just go back. He said, I... I'd, I'd done things so differently. I said, I know. 
It's sad. People want, I I don't know, I'm not being critical, but I don't know how preachers could just get in a pulpit and preach to get a paycheck or say something to make people happy when you know that there's, I'm telling you, there's times I know that I've made people mad and I didn't want to make them mad, but I'm telling you, there's just too much at stake when you get up and there's so little time left to just play church and tell people what they want to hear and it may cost us big time, but I want to stand before God one day and know that at least I did everything I could to throw as many warning signs up and say unto God, don't go there. Do something about it. Hey, people sitting here this morning, I'm scared to death you're going to die. Because you're playing around with fire, friend. Ain't going to come a day when the Holy Ghost is going to shut you off like a faucet. You say, oh, but I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved. He's going to turn the faucet off on you and your days are numbered, friend. It's over with. I'm not going to finish this sermon this morning, but Uzzah touched the ark and God killed him in 2 Samuel. And Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and God killed him. Those in the Corinthians church who misused and acted wrongfully at the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God killed him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse number 6, a certain man who was an offender would have died, the Bible says, had he not repented. I even believe James chapter 5 where the Bible says, if any among you are sick, Let him call for the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Bible says if he hath committed sin, he's to confess that sin. You know what that is? That's a man that's not sinned a sin unto death, but he's sick because of his sin. And the prayer of faith, repentance is what's delivered that man's life. Now, I think it's okay to use it how we do, but I'm telling you, why would the Bible say right after that, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed? I'm telling you, there's people dying in early death because their problem's not physical, it's spiritual. And I'm not saying everybody has a physical problem. You know that. It's, it's already been said, there's people that die as physical death. They die with the grace of God and they die with peace in their heart because they've lived their life and it's time for them to go home and be with God. And that, that's, they, as it's already said this morning, they have grace in that hour. But I'm telling you, there are others who die not with grace. They die with regret because they know their life like a flower has faded and been cut down early. My friend, in the springtime of their life because they wouldn't repent of their sin. I remember a mother and a 16-year-old girl that my wife remembers this that stood against a preacher, our preacher. She opened her mouth to the man of God and one week later, her daughter was killed. Went to school with her, 16 years of age. Just person after person this morning that's gone home. You see, if you're saved... God's not going to let you continue the life that you're living. Brother Chris is here this morning. Four surgeries. I looked at that car, turned upside down, inside out. There's only one reason why he's here this morning. The grace of God. And I said to Chris when I went up to the hospital, I said, I'm praying for you. I said, 
Now's the time. I said, and he'd tell you this. I said, now's the time to, while you're laying here, search your heart and make sure that everything's right between you and God because God showed you mercy. I believe with all my heart this morning God spoke to me Monday morning in prayer. Laid this passage of scripture on my heart. And he said to me, he said, I want you to preach this message. He said, it's not just a sermon. He said, it's a message. Somebody needs what you're going to preach. And I've begged God this week. God, I said to him last night, I said, Lord, don't let pride stop us. Don't let it drag them down. I'm telling you this morning, there's people, if you don't get right with God, as sure as I'm standing on this platform, you're going to die. You're going to die. You say, preacher, you trying to scare me. No, I'm just trying to warn you. If you don't think it's true, Brother Roach in that old building there in the choir loft, there's a little plaque hanging right there, wasn't it? Of a young man. Brother David, you know what I'm talking about. I remember when I first come to that church, I saw that plaque. It might have been you. I asked somebody. I said, I said, what's that little plaque about? It had his name on there. The years he lived and he died. And somebody told me about him coming to church, that he was a member of this church, came to this church and said that one Sunday morning, Brother Kate got up and was preaching. And he felt such a burden. And he said, there's somebody here this morning said, if you don't get right with God, said, this is your last opportunity. said, the next time you come to this church, said, they're going to carry you in here. And that was on Sunday. And for in that very week, they carried that young man into this church. I'm telling you, God's serious about sin this morning. And it ought to scare, it scares me this morning to think that this old stuff that I'm wrapped in it's capable of anything, Brother Laddie. It can do anything. It can think anything. And the only hope, and I'm saved and going to heaven, but the only hope I have of, of living a life of, of joy and happiness is on my knees and following God's will for my life for this stuff connected with this world and connected with Satan will surely destroy me.